got to show and yeah, it's growing every day. We've got that rider pride, feeling deep inside. It's rider pride, rider pride. We've got that rider pride. <laughs> Big ending. Big ending. The great J.J. Voss is with us this week. Hey, and, it's uh, great to be here. And thank you for so much for honoring us with your with your presence. It, uh, 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 Murray McCormick, uh, who doesn't play any musical instruments or sing, or to his no, credit. I'm just pirate to be part of the chorus, I guess would be the best thing. Um, you don't have anything you'd like to add as far as musical um, input? I like music. You know, yodeling or yodeling. Anything? No, no. I think my musical talents are just about limited to what I can't do, and I know I can't sing and I can't play any instrument. I can't even hum no. properly. Uh, well, we're we'll we're test, totally we're totally out of our league today, JJ. We'll test these theories because that was the rehearsal. At the end of the podcast, you guys are going to sing it out with me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we may quietly slink out of the room. <laughs> it's kind of funny because now I actually know the name of the composer compared to our regular song. Yeah, we, we, we usually have the leader post Philharmonic Orchestra uh, performing <laughs> the theme. We've fired them in a most heartless fashion. There's tears, there's oboes and piccolos and bassoons shattered all over the parking lot along with dreams. Unfortunately, careers. it's a young man's game. It is a young man's game. So yes, we've so. No, no Beethoven, <laughs> we've got JJ. Yes. And uh, I first met JJ, I think it was in 06. And this is when the riders practiced at the old uh, grass field. Yes. And I pulled up for practice and JJ was there with a dog. Yeah. Oh, you remember my dog. I, yeah. I remember your dog. <laughs> and, uh, and we got chatting and I... Uh, um, uh, I named him Reaper because he was uh, Reggie Hunt. He was watching Reggie do the ladder, <laughs> and he was chasing outside the fence. He was chasing Reggie as he's doing that. So that's where I named him Reaper. That was that was a really cool conversation. And being a dog lover, um, I, I thought that was really interesting. And this is the Leader Post Rider Rumblings video podcast, by the way. And I, each week when we're scheduling guests, I try and think of something cool, something different. And I was thinking a few weeks ago. What? How could we incorporate a musician into this? Who's a rider fan who just loves music or vice versa? And then it was just instant. JJ. Well, I'm happy to be here. So, thanks for yeah. thinking of me. Thanks thanks so much for doing this. It, uh, we can't top the intro until we do the extra, which will also be, which will also be JJ. Um, and Rob's a bit of a jazz fan. I'm a jazz fan. Just a little fan. bit. So his, this is a whole other genre that he probably hasn't even opened well, up on his iTunes page I was before. mentioned to Rob when we were... Uh, communicating via email he mentioned jazz and i said well as far as uh hick boys hick kids go <laughs> the closest i could do is maybe a little bit of western swing is that that'd be fine does yeah. that kind of qualify as jazz or? yeah i can i can settle for the outskirts it has an ending though western swing so it's an inside joke for <laughs> well, I, uh, it also also gives me an opportunity to use the word plectrist in a in ooh, a ooh. podcast oh so. do you use that in public plectrist is a great word well, fill, me, fill me in yeah. it's, it's it refers to someone who plays a guitar I know that this is a plectrum, which is a guitar pick. <laughs> so now you're a plectrist. Ooh. Well, so I will remember that one. Wow. Yeah. I, so Wes Montgomery, Jim Hall, Pat Martino, J.J. Voss, great plectrists of I our say, time. I was, listening to JJ play, Boyd. I was listening to J.J. play that song thinking, man, he couldn't have played that four weeks ago, eh? <laughs> we didn't have Ride of Pride back then. Yeah, but Pride rhymes with slide, don't it? <laughs> Yeah. And now they got to stem the tide because they're rolling. Yeah. Well, now, <laughs> really we're, now we're writing songs. Yeah, that whole song could be our, our whole thing. <laughs> could, could you tell us a bit about how you're, I mean, people know so much about your, your music. Uh, 
I mean, you've, you seem to be, this is my snap judgment from 12 years ago. You're, you're you know, a passionate football fan as well as a passionate musician. How, uh, how's that marriage worked? Well, um, I guess the, I've kind of divorced in a way in the last few years, <laughs> I've been busy traveling and I, like I was a long time season ticket holder. Uh, so when my career got busy, I had to make it my priority. So I'm now I'm not able to hold season tickets. So that's a little bit unfortunate, but I make it to whichever games I can now. But. Yeah. I guess you'd have way more road trips than they do than they do. Well, <laughs> when, when times are good. Yeah. yeah when yeah. things are busy for sure. I see it's a part of our Arda hat. So you've done the, they've done that rider trip stuff. No, actually That's... I was just in Puerto Vallarta and the guy on the, cause I wear, I worked for the riders for a couple seasons with the Maxtron crew. Cause I okay. do audio uh, work as well. And at the time I got, I think it was like a 40% discount on rider wear. So I don't own any clothes that don't have rider <laughs> yeah. emblems on it. Yeah. So I was on the beach in Puerto Vallarta and like I said, everything I own is riders and the guy saw it and he goes, I'll be back. And he came back and he had all these uh, funky uh, black hat, like okay. different colors. I have orange one and I got a few black ones. I think I bought four oh, yeah. or five of them. Good for you. That's kind of cool. <laughs> when you look out in crowds and you're performing in Saskatchewan, is it I guess it wouldn't be unusual to see rider jerseys and rider hats among fairly the common. faithful. <laughs> yeah, fairly common. Probably the neatest story, and I don't know, it's almost masochistic, but uh, <laughs> I was, went to New York City for the first time in 2009, and I was there in January. I guess it would have been January 2010. And uh, I'm walking around in Times Square, and I had my, my big rider parka, but it was black with just a little, the little emblem on on the breast pocket and so i'm walking around and you know wide-eyed prairie boy looking at all the sights and i don't know i heard somebody say something about 13 or something about learning how to count and i'm walking <laughs> and i just stopped and i'm like it took a second for me for it to register and i turned out this guy was wearing an nfl jacket and he was <laughs> grinning <laughs> and i just looked at him and shook my head and had to laugh <laughs> <laughs> so what, what what do you make of the Rough Riders as, as you follow them today to the extent that you actively can considering you have a career to well, in, to, uh, to tend to I am really encouraged of, like all of us with the last this last stretch of games where I guess not only are they winning but what I'm seeing is some of the new this new generation of recruits that we've been promised for a few years are starting to show up we're starting to see people the Toby Antigua um, who um, Nick Marshall? Uh, these players, we, we were promised that this new regime was going to come in and be a, a recruiting powerhouse. And in my estimation, in the last three years, really, our only standout players have been free agent signings. So this is, for my money, pretty exciting. Yeah, because you can't see it building, can't you? I mean, it just, I, I, it, it for the, for a couple of years, I don't think the methodology was considerably different than it was when Brendan Tamman was here. Uh, there were players claimed from other teams that were free agents, but it didn't seem like they were growing in terms of finding their own people. And, and that has sure changed this year. Seemed like it just like a couple months ago we were dealing yeah. with that. It's just been a turnaround. The receivers like Shaq Evans and Jordan Williams, Lambert yeah. and Kyron Moore have all stepped up. All these young guys that I saw at the minicamp are such standouts. I used to see these minicamp guys, and you never saw them, saw them play, and they just... Give Jones credit for that; those mini camps and all the money they spent to bring in these players. And I had no problem with with general managers signing free agents because yep. 
I, I had no problem with that. I guess what I had the problem with was everybody, Brendan Tamman got a bad rap because he he was given the mandate to win a Grey Cup because we had a yeah. home Grey Cup in 2013. And it was like, look, man, your job is to win the Grey Cup. So he did. Yeah. And uh, then people in hindsight were really hard on him for that, which now when Jones came in, he went and he burnt, he scorched the earth. He got rid of everybody, yeah. which, okay, that, that was a pretty ballsy move. But then where's the proof? And it's now year three that we're starting to see that come to fruition, which is great. It's just we're not, we don't tend to be that patient here. You even see the guys he got from other teams like Charleston Hughes and Zach Clark. Even Willie Jefferson came from the uh, Eskimos. Yeah. Those guys have proven to be quality players. And, you know, he's done that. So they've, they've mixed the free agents and the trades and stuff in very nicely to create this team that's won four in a row that, yeah, boy, as I said before, four in a row, four in a row did not not appear possible. What, what and, was, sorry, Mark. But now they are, and now they're going into the Robin. I've called the cupcake part of the schedule of three games against these division teams. That's always the most dangerous for us, though. Oh, isn't yeah. It? And <laughs> plus, you, you talk about the beginning of the season. Part of the reason for their woes is they couldn't handle they, the East Division teams. They yeah. did beat Hamilton twice, but they Ottawa spanked them, and still, I guess it's not to be so surprised that Montreal won back then because now Montreal's actually. Well, they were still the only team to lose to Montreal in a calendar year. Yeah. So yes. that's quite a feat. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. they've. They've certainly spun out of that. Still and not offense. The offense is still. Well, that spinning. for me is that for me is the acid test, and yeah. I mean, you can listen to. I mean, Jones is a defensive coach, or and his philosophy is defensive. The only thing I'm disappointed on is it doesn't seem like he doesn't seem to be publicly anyhow. He's not coming out and saying, you know, our offense has to pick up pick up the pace a little bit he's before the last game he said something to the after the uh win the first winnipeg game he goes yeah our defense has to tighten up a little bit i'm like what yeah, no. what <laughs> yeah but i can you what can he come out and say in the real world There's not very often a guy like matt nichols says i'm the booze hurt my feeling that kind of game he can't come out and say the offense has got to do better because We'd love it. We'd absolutely love it if he if he did say that. Right, but, but it's it almost does. it almost goes without saying. It, I mean, yeah, you don't have. This to is be. a team that that has fourteen offensive touchdowns and ten touchdowns when the offense isn't on the field. Yeah. Uh, they could end up with one of the five lowest offensive touchdown totals in franchise history. Well, when your uh, kick, I mean, when your place kicker is your offensive MVP of the season so far, yeah. there's something. I hope it. It's not going to cut it in the playoffs. It's it's working now, but when we get into the playoffs. Unless your offense can score and score fast and respond, we're going to be sitting on the sidelines watching the great. Well, I watched that Edmonton Calgary game on Saturday, and I thought, okay, what if Edmonton or Calgary have one of those games against Saskatchewan in the playoffs? And it's a different beast when you're facing the Ryder defense. But Calgary's got a formidable defense, and Edmonton still lit them up. So, what if Edmonton has one of those days against a very good defense? Can the Rough Riders counter? They don't have a Bo Levi Mitchell. They don't have that personnel depleted as it is with injuries to uh, to counter, and so at some point you're going to need a CFL caliber offense out of this offense. At least it would stand to reason. They've proved me wrong the last four games, though. Isn't it kind of fun to be able to even talk about that? Sort of speculate they're going to be that far ahead, be considering yeah. the many places they were earlier this season that we're writing them off, and now we're talking about what their defense has to do in the playoffs, which is 
yeah. kind of a, a big step forward. It's a I turnaround. Think. For it's sure. a turnaround. And I think even I, I think that game in Winnipeg, I was reading, pretty well clinched him a playoff spot. I'm thinking. You think so? I'm mathematically. There's all sorts of stuff. Just like even that's people were saying that Toronto's out of the playoffs. Well, no team's out of the playoffs in the East no. Division. But I mean, the, there's teams with three win, three wins, and the Riders have seven. So, so it would take quite the quite the, they, the, the same thing would have to happen to them that happened to the Leader Post Philharmonic Orchestra this morning <laughs> when I when I shot too. them to yeah. uh, to for the Riders to miss the playoffs. But that being said, that also goes back to our quarterback situation, which I'm I want, I'm cheering for Zach Kolaros. I want things to work out for him because I really like him. I think he's a great quarterback, but with his injury history and with how it started out this year. I don't know. It's that first concussion that he sustained, it was like a strong gust of wind by, went by mm. him and he was down. And then th- this was a pretty solid hit that he took in this last game, but we're one hit away from I, from our offense being... And I like Brandon Bridge as well. I thought when he was given the opportunity last year to play with his instincts and to run around and, and play like a young quarterback, he delivered. But this year they tried to make him a systems quarterback off the bat. And that just wasn't working. So if we have to go back to that, our season could turn around real quick again. But Kolaris, and that hit, his head hit the turf a lot harder than I thought. From my angle where I didn't see, I couldn't really see. But it was a pretty good clunk on the old turf. So I I was surprised when I heard heard he's gone through all the protocols and he's fine. And he's going to be fine, I guess. But it is, you you watch every every series and every downs with the fingers crossed and fingers crossed and you hope that Brandon Bridge, but same token that Brandon Bridge come in and guided them to two field goals and get some, the big win, which is a little bit overlooked in this. But oh, He did what he had to do. He, he did, yeah, didn't turn yeah. the ball over and move the ball smartly. I like that he ran out, I think his first play from scrimmage, he he rolled out. And yeah. I think that's his game. It gives him a chance. It puts the defense, they can't pin their ears back and come after him. And it gives him a chance to see the field. It he almost just, seems though that they've tried to extract from him what was beneficial for them last year. Last year he threw 10 touchdown passes as a backup quarterback. I'll be surprised if the Riders team leader has 10 touchdown passes this season. And yeah. He'd come in, and, and it was, it's a bit different sometimes when you're coming in as a backup, and, and you're you're generally, if it's not because of injury, you're coming in, the team's down, you have to open it up a bit, and, and some, of the, some of the rules don't apply when you have to make things happen right away. He started some games this year, and I think the expectations are different of a starter. But if you can just get the Brandon Bridge back, that, that uh, if you can use him in a fashion that accentuates his many talents as opposed to, as, as you said, trying to make him a system quarterback. From what I've seen, they, they handcuffed him. Yeah, they did. Yeah. You're, you're coming in and you're doing, this is our system and you're running it. And I don't know, it didn't work. Well, that, really the sad. game against Calgary, the, the second one, this is a guy with a, one of the strongest arms in the league and the, the average pass downfield was 4.73 yards. Yeah. You know, I mean, he could throw that left-handed or behind his back. He still has that awkward motion though. Right? Yeah. A, like a couple of his passes, he threw those sentence sidearms, sign winged them, but... Problem is, if to get that scenario to Brandon Bridge coming in more, Zach Claris has to be out. So it's not really a great situation the riders are in because I, I think the offense is starting to work under Zach, and I think it's, it's not it's and live with it. Two hundred yards, one one or two touchdown passes a game. So which Don't, team? For, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I, maybe live with the Zach Claris we've gotten that kind of offense they have, and not try to push it and ride those special teams and defense to all the way. As far as well, I can. that's where I feel the offensive coaching is coming up short, and yeah. that when the coaches aren't recognizing the strengths of their players and playing to them, if they could have a, a different type of offense or to play to his skill sets when Bridge comes in, okay, this guy has a gun and he's not 
you know, he's not a technician at this point of his career yet. So let's roll him out. Let's let's get him playing his game. And when they went away from that, was that a concerted effort in the offseason? Because last year, Kevin Glenn is your last year here. He's your pure pocket passer. And uh, when he wasn't having success last year, Bridge would come in and he'd play his style of football and it worked. I think it was more in a, a little defense of Stephen McAdoo, the offense clerk. He, he was playing with what he had. That's what he felt comfortable calling it. I know it's not very exciting and it wasn't very effective, but that's what Stephen McAdoo believed in. Now, since Zach Clarence is a quarterback, have you seen longer passes? We've seen more of an offense than I think Zach Clarence can. Doesn't mean if Brandon Bridge comes back, they're not going to revert to that kind of boring, conservative, oh my God, this is a horrible way to watch football. But it just I think he, had shades of, uh, of Marcel Belfay all over again. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't even recall Marcel's hitch screen being intercepted for a touchdown. No, it was. Man. <laughs> and there were 4,000 of them on the season. Right. The one thing in Winnipeg, the, the one thing about uh, the Winnipeg, besides its outdoor press box, which is an interesting world, they close the windows after, is you have the best sight lines in the league because you're looking down the field and you can see what's going on. And you could see, uh, what's his name? Who got the pick? You can remember his name from Winnipeg. Uh, uh, Gator, Gator. The Gator. You can see the Gator getting ready to feast. Because he just, oh, I went, oh, no, that's going to be, that's not going to be good. And you could just, and you see, and f- overlooked. That was Rob Bagg's first appearance on the field, too. Right? He was, was that too, right? With yes. the trips. With trips. So he was a funny, because I, I was writing, Rob Bagg finally makes his first appearance on Twitter. And I looked up, I'm like, I think I'll just delete that. <laughs> Believe Rob Bagg's first appearance will go down. Well, well, that de- defensive back, he jumped that he pattern jumped before oh. Caleros even had, yeah, before even Caleros called to play, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, he'd blown up. They, they did that. They did a behind the line of scrimmage pass to Moore. I think it was the previous series. And it got blown up by Gator and by Brandon Alexander. A bit of a different play because the receiver was by himself on the right as opposed to having three blockers in front of him. But it was the same lateral pass or side, you know, uh, same same type of pass to the the receiver. And it got blown up the first time. He was definitely reading reading our offense very well. That doesn't take a, a lot, but... You know, they they tried it once; it didn't work. So they tried a variation of it, and it was really even less successful. Less successful in the first one. The sight line from Winnipeg also gave me a really good angle in watching Jeff Heck come in and blow up Zach Claris on that shot. And I'm sure I, he liked that, huh? I'm, and it's reminiscent <laughs> of '14. And I know it was kind of about I the thought same, that too. similar part of the field. I'm not. I don't remember the exact yardage, but it was very similar. When, of course, when the play was blown down, yeah, the guy exactly. came in and blew up Zach uh, during Grant's elbow. And I thought Bryant Turner. I yeah, thought, oh that's my what goodness. I thought. It's kind of here goes the whole season, boom, right there in one play. And it's, I, th- I think it's about the same part of the field. I know you have a better memory. Going in the same direction. Going in the same direction. So that was. It was in the third quarter with Darren. Yeah, fourth I think quarter someone this. beside me here say, oh, uh, not a very nice word before. And I had enough time to say that before Heck could complete the play. So it was a, it was a pretty blatantly play. And it's supposedly fine. We'll see what happens today. What do you do there, though? I mean, do you do you wait another week to make sure? With, no. with something as, as delicate as a concussion, and, and you still do, nobody still knows everything about the effects it may have. Do you take another week as a precaution to make sure? I think if he's fine, he's fine. I trust, and I hate to, I, I trust in the doctors. The doctors aren't going to let him go out there. And I think Zach knows his own mind enough that he's not going to be able to push himself. And he's if he's fine, he's fine. Play him. There's no... My gut feeling is when it comes to that type of injury and his history of it now, he's kind of getting into the Dave Dickinson territory where... Oh, yeah, I know. It, I do think that Buck Pierce... Where it could be precaution. I don't think uh, the 
um, the head injury thing is a precaution. Like, I don't think you can take precaution. I think it's at the point now where if he gets smacked, that's going to be it. It's, yeah. it's you know, each one, and I don't pretend to be an expert on these things, but I mean, each one, you're, yeah. you're likely more susceptible to it. And remember, earlier this year, he got hurt in the preseason game and didn't, didn't, tell, anybody. Men, didn't tell anybody. It's indicative of how much he wants to play. <clears throat> and if that same attitude prevails now, and we don't know that as we discuss this, but if he's that determined again, do you almost have to prevent protect Zach Caleros from himself and give it another week, give it another two weeks, make sure? I don't know. I'm just... Throwing that I out just there. think it's so tight. I know you can't put the game ahead of the guy's it's health. It's an Ottawa game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's one of those things. It's do you put the guy's health ahead of what the team can do? But if the doctors clear him to play, he's cleared to play. And I think that's what you go by. I, mean, yeah, I guess you have to, pretty much. Yeah. We've um, said unkind things about the offense. I think we'd be remiss if not referring, not referencing the running game and and Trey oh, Mason and the way he performed. That was a, a tremendous rushing yeah. performance by. I will say it's, I think, kind of unexpected because we kind of thought Thigpen would get more of the offense, but that's that's the type of game that he can he can play that kind of power game. It also makes you think look forward to the bad weather. What he can do in bad weather now that you have a you have a running back that maybe Jerome Messam could have pounded. But I was yeah, it was he had big holes and stuff. One thing, kind of, he's he's not the most outgoing interview in the league. He's kind of shy, so it, it doesn't really get his personality across. I don't know if fans are going to get to know him through the media, but. Boy, that was an incredible performance. That was, was the last time we had a 100-yard rusher. Uh, with Marcus Thigpen in the East semifinal in Ottawa. And that was pretty impressive, too. But I think what did most of Mason's yards were shorter yardage. Just, yeah, there were, there was, I think there were a couple carries of yeah. 10 yards or more. But a lot of it was those six, seven, yeah. eight-yard chunks that chewed up yardage, chewed and up time. the clock time. It's one of those 100-yard games, yeah, sorry. And you're going, oh, all of a sudden he's got 100 yards. Yeah. Well, I think Thigpen is more explosive. And Jones does have a philosophy. To, he wants to save, he pl- platoons pretty much all the positions to try to keep everybody fresh for the end of the year. So I think Thigpen's older. And so I, I, I'm guessing that's why he hasn't been, they haven't ridden him more. But it is good to see that uh, Mason came along and that he is a viable option to go to, go to as well. Look, I keep looking at Thigpen as someone the offense can use more. And he's had some big plays this year. But, I mean, this is someone who can play receiver, he can play defensive back. Uh, he's an explosive player. And their receiving core isn't that good. Um, I, I don't know why they aren't using Thigpen a little bit like Ronnie used to use Bobby Thompson or Silas McKinney or, or, or they used to use Mike Saunders here. If he's not carrying the ball in the backfield, why don't you use Mar- Marcus Thigpen in ways where he can blow up a defense and you can still have... Trey Mason in there. I think they can be complementary players as opposed to if he's in, he's yeah, not in. I think, can, I think they can use national. them together. I think so, that's right. Go ahead. There'd be a racial issue. We have to look at that. Oh, just yeah. take out one of the unproductive. Uh, <laughs> can, you know, if you put if you put Marcus Thigpen in for Shaq Evans, yeah. so what? Yeah. So now Shaq Evans gets 150 yards this weekend. You don't feel our receiving core is a strong is it as it used to be or could be no I mean you look at they, they don't have a touchdown from a wide receiver yet this year we're 11 games into a year and they're into a season and the wide receivers have zero touchdowns they get virtually nothing from Josh Stanford Zach as Shaq Evans doesn't have a touchdown yet Jordan Williams Lambert has been tremendous um name and name and Roosevelt it doesn't have the numbers that, that he used to have but that's what I mean it was I guess my critique I think is on the offensive coordinator and and the design of the plays, it doesn't feel like they're making that a priority. It doesn't to me to go because they're not throwing into the end zone. They're not going after twenty the intermediate passes, the twenty to thirty yard passes. They're they're not doing that. It's it's just 
these dink and dunk prairie offense. <laughs> yeah, maybe if they'd had a, a lot of a lot of Marcel Belfi illusions. <laughs> did, they, did they once have an explosive wide receiver who could possibly break open a game on the roster? Hey, is, is the time? Is the time? You know, I was going to time this week's pod, podcast, and I forgot to do it. I was going to put the stopwatch on my phone and, and just time how long it took to mention Deron Carter. Ding, 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 so ding. Deron Carter. This is a record. It's the longest it's taken. So, uh, and I kind of forced it in there. But what the heck? You got to force some things in there if you're going to be offensive and get ahead of the game and those kind of things you got it very well done thank you we got it in just in time we should uh, <laughs> uh give jj the opportunity to talk about what's going on outside of football with his career anything you would like to discuss as far as upcoming performances upcoming releases i've got to run the shows between now and new year's just mainly around town i'm playing a lot of solo acoustic shows by myself and uh we, we noticed yeah yes, yes. So, <laughs> pubs and, and restaurants around town i'm going in the studio next week to cut the, the majority of my next album and over the course of the the next six months through winter i'm going to be putting it all together and getting a promotional push ready and and then get back out on the road next year why acoustic um it's just it's kind of where the, uh it's kind of where the markets went there's very very few uh, places to play with a full band anymore mm -hmm. really yeah budgets are cut and people aren't going to those types of things anymore the the days of the nightclub with with bands is almost almost a thing of the past yeah. uh there's one venue in town called the revival Group? yeah the revival yeah. uh that's the one uh standout that's left and uh people are are taking to that it, it's i'm going to be playing there in november Okay. November the 16th that. with the full band so uh, I'm excited about that so it's just there's a lot of overhead to put a, a band together of five people and go out and play and everybody needs to get paid and these days the money ne isn't necessarily there what, okay. what has happened there I love music I love going to see live music with whatever genre it is it's, it's nice to be able to yeah I think there's quite a few different uh, reasons um one of them is if you look at you got your smartphone in your hand you got the whole world of entertainment in your in the palm of your hand or else at home you have 70 inch tv on the wall sometimes it's hard to when you're sitting at home and you can go get a beer from the fridge and turn on find a, one of your favorite bands concerts live concert and watch it on a great big tv people aren't necessarily jumping up and going out to spend yep. and then also uh, it's not like it used to people we used to take a lot more chances with uh, driving after drinking and mm -hmm. that happened for and that doesn't people don't do that anymore which is a great thing yeah. but it also affects so that affects how people's habits i like the revival I looked at their schedule and they had some good local bands there and like uh method to madness and those kind of yeah. guys and those are fun bands to go to so maybe do a little plug for them go there and if you like to dance and have some fun, oh. they, were, they played the Memorial Cup and they were awesome. Yeah, yeah. Live music, I mean, I, I can, I've got so much stuff on this thing. But, but it's just there's jazz. Enough, it's not real it, music. Don't be mean It's not jazz. real music. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's even a jazz player named JJ, JJ Johnson, a trombonist. And uh, JJ it, there's nothing like live music. You can't, you can listen to all the recordings you want with the best sound systems you can find. You're not going to replicate the sound that you get. No, there's an energy transfer at a live show, and it's the the musicians giving giving the energy, and when the crowd's giving it back, there's this transfer that you'll never ever. Live music will never die. It's just you have to get a little, you have to get creative, and who knows? You know, it's cyclical. Let's ho let's hope things will turn around and it becomes viable again. It's like going to a football game. 
you can watch it on TV. Yeah, that's right. And really can. It's some joy. You got to love it. TV does it so well. But going to an actual football game, like being in Winnipeg, is for that for the investors group feel the place is packed. The weather's kind of miserable. The noise is there. It's just another experience. And I think more as you talk about the big screen TV, people are getting away from that and they're getting away from what teams can do for our home game and stuff. Like, and the riders do it very well. So, maybe go yeah, the experience. The experience is yeah. still so cool. May we uh, prevail upon your good nature and your musicality to uh, request one more live performance well, as sure. we uh, signal an end to this podcast? And what's that thing he's using again to click his guitar uh, with? What do you call That's a plectrum. And what plectrum. do you call him? He's a plectrist. A plectrist. I bet you never heard about that. I have. Anybody ever call you a plectrist at the pump? I've, no. No. They call me a lot of things, but yeah. n- never, never that. For Murray McCormick, uh, I'm Rob Vanstone, and now he's going to do some plectring for us. The, the great J.J. Voss, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, talking about uh, rider football for 45 minutes, I'd be remiss not to sing a song about prides. <laughs> Making the bills by the sweat of his brow But he sleeps real good when he lays down at night Now he don't make much so he lives real deep His hands are dirty but the money's clean And there's something about standing on your own This ain't no story about chasing dreams Ain't about reaching for the big brass ring It's about working for what you need And it's a pride thing (laughs) At a checkout counter on her feet all day It's a dead end job but you don't complain With the kid at home You do what you gotta do When you're shopping for clothes at the second hand store Ain't a mouthful gets to making sure that they've always got enough to get them through. Well, this ain't no story about chasing dreams. Ain't a marriage for the big brass ring. It's about working for what you need. You know what I mean. Yeah, and it's a pride thing. Fourteen years down a nickel mine Wasn't exactly what he had in mind But when the shift is done He leaves it all behind He's got a beautiful girl and a couple of kids He's their world and they're his And it ain't a little thing When you've got peace of mind Well, Ben, say no story about chasing dreams Yeah, this ain't no song about chasing dreams. Ain't a marriage enough for big brass rings. It's about working for 
that thing. 